forgot to hit record until the first storyteller had already started. Well, I'm sorry. The episode you're about to hear contains our latest live event, Hearsay. Each storyteller that you're about to hear will be telling someone else's story from their perspective. For example, I tell a story about my mother from my mother's perspective. All the usual stuff applies. We don't screen any of our stories. We're just as surprised as you are. Hope to see you at the next event. So, once upon a time, I was born in somewhere in New York um, to a couple of parents. They um, had three other children. I have three younger siblings, and we sort of lived all around the world. Um, my dad was a big pharmaceutical company guy, and we traveled. We lived in like uh, Brazil, Turkey. I'm forgetting some places that I've lived, but you know, you get the point. Um, and my parents were kind of raging alcoholics. Like my mom's favorite thing to do was sort of sit at the table and drink a scotch and do Sudoku. That was like her, her mothering thing of the day every day. And uh, so I wound up taking care of my youngest sibling, Chris. Um, he was kind of like my child. I was about 16 or something when I had this child that I was now taking care of. Um, so sort of that's like a little bit of a background on my life. I wound up, um, when I got older, sort of having a drinking problem myself. I was sort of like working at this local bar in town um, called Rockefellers. I don't know, none of y'all probably remember that. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> and um, so that was sort of my thing. I was partying, I was getting down, everything was cool for a long time. I um, started dating this guy named Sam and he kind of, we did the same thing. We were sort of just like Colombians, um, getting down, rolling around. He was a really great guy. Um, but I found out, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what exactly brought me to this conclusion, but my life just wasn't really going the way I wanted it to. And um, I decided that I was gonna sort of like stop drinking, start my life over. So I, me and Sam broke it off very amicably, but he was just sort of like my partner in crime. I was like, Sam, we can't do this anymore. Um, so we sort of went our separate ways, and um, I joined like a fellowship, and I uh, moved into a halfway house, and sort of like got clean and sober, and started my life over, and things were going good. Um, <clears throat> somewhere in that t time, I want to say I got I had a couple years, and I started dating another guy named Sam. He was also in recovery from addiction. He was a very loud and outspoken, opinionated Puerto Rican man. I don't know why I dated him. He was kind of obnoxious looking back on it, but um, that was my thing. He had like a couple years clean, like a car and stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> he's got his shit together. Um, so me and Sam are dating. Um, we're kind of carrying on, and I was like, you know what, Sam, I'm, I'm over this. I don't know what I was thinking. I break up with Sam, and a couple weeks later, I think maybe like three weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with Sam's fucking baby, right? I know, I just dumped him, and I have to be like, Sam, I'm pregnant. Um, so I kind of think about what I'm going to do. I'm like, I don't know. I'm still just sort of a bartender and a waitress, and I have like a year clean, and um, I talked to previous Sam, I know it's confusing, there's lots of Sam, so first Sam, 
Um, and he finds out that I'm pregnant, and he offers to let me live with him because he's got a spare room in his house. So when I get too pregnant to work, he's like, you can just come live with me and, you know, get your life together because you won't be able to work because you have just had a baby and you're a single mother now. So I have the baby. Um, I kind of attribute obnoxious Sam like sort of to like giving me that child like he didn't really serve a lot of purposes for me in my life but it's kind of cool that I dated this really obnoxious guy but like had this child that I'm sort of really into and enjoy um so thanks for that Sam wherever you are um and I move in with first Sam non-biological father Sam and um Sam kind of like winds up just taking care of my baby like we're not together we're just platonic roommates and he just sort of winds up like adopting my child essentially and like helping me take care of her and like just sort of being her dad she winds up just calling him dad I don't really remember how that happened but it was sort of amazing like I look back on it and I'm like wow this guy didn't owe me fucking anything like we were just friends he was my ex-boyfriend he just like adopted my kid for no reason and sort of like took care of her for basically her whole life I mean we didn't stay like living together forever we sort of straight apart and came back together um but I just sort of think about it I think it's like a really nice touching story it was just sort of something small and it's not really explosive or extravagant or heart-wrenching but it's just like an example of two Sams one being kind of a dick but you know he paid his child support for a long time so it's fine um First Sam just like really came through in a big way and I think it's just like really nice and um, this is actually the story of my parents is how I got all my dads and my mom and I just think she's like really cool and I think her life was really hard but she did a really awesome job and like has basically been a single mother forever and my my dad first Sam just like fucking takes care of he's still like just my dad I don't know I think it's so cool um he like didn't have to do any of that um but I know it kind of involves me, but it's not really my story. I think it's more of my mom's story. But thanks for listening to me, you guys. Have a good night. Let's give it up for Sam. Yeah. Which one are you clapping for? It's okay. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> Let's give it up one more time for Nicolasa. Woo! Going first, man. Taking one for the team. Amazing. Uh, Y'all already gave me some lies. A bunch of dirty, dirty liars. Uh, the silliest lie this person ever told was, I didn't fart, that was a dog. It's never the dog, ever. My dog, I swear, didn't fart for five years, and we just thought, like, we lucked out, we don't have a dog that farts, this is amazing. And then the first time I was like, the dog just farted, my husband totally didn't believe me, and was like, you're full of fucking shit, our dog does not fart. I was like, I swear it was. So whether you're lying or telling the truth, the dog doesn't help either way. Okay, this is a long one. I'm excited about this. I'll just cold read it. In fifth grade, I came back after spring break with some brand new non-prescription glasses from Claire's. Oh, hell yeah, Claire's. <laughs> I told everyone I was nearsighted and that it had been a very sudden onset. But that was not true. I don't still even know what it means to be nearsighted. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I had this, I just want to give it up for that person because I had so many dreams about when I went to college. I came to Columbia for college and I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get fake glasses and like go by my middle name and just like start a whole new life. And I just pushed out big time and was just like, I'm just Amanda and I, my vision's fine and just live my normal <laughs> life. 
And this person just went for it over spring break, like seven days. Like that's really bold. I appreciate that. I'm going to hold on to some of these, but if you have silly lies, write them on the piece of paper and we'll call them out. Uh, those were charming. So thank you. Our next storyteller, I want you to give him a round of applause all the way up to the microphone, Joshua. Come on up, Josh. What a beautiful shirt. <laughs> Hello. So I'll be telling this story from my mother's perspective. Karen. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm Josh's mom. Hey, sweetheart. I'm glad that joke landed. So, I want to tell y'all a story about my best friends growing up. Talk louder. Best friends growing up. There we go. Thank you. Um, I grew up very fundamental Christian in Roswell, New Mexico. We didn't dance. We didn't watch movies. Definitely didn't kiss or smoke or drink or even corral with anyone who did. So the people that we went to church with were the people that we spent all of our time with. So I was lucky enough to have Tommy, who was my best friend, Philip. He was my very, very, very close friend. I love Philip. And Pam, of course. I love Pam. <laughs> um, but Philip was the friend that I ended up spending the most time with, even though Pam and Tommy and I were probably closer, because Philip's parents were missionaries to Honduras for the Christian faith. And Philip lived with his uncle in Roswell and was able to go to high school in America. And he and I worked together at his uncle's plumbing and bath shop. He worked in the back filling orders and pulling parts. I worked up front selling people tile and working the register. And Philip and I went to church together, and we sat next to each other at church. And we would hang out after church, and we would drag Maine, and I would make him sit in the back of my beetle so Pam could sit up front. <laughs> and we would go out to eat, and we went to school together. I mean, I spent most of my childhood and high school years with Philip and Tommy and Pam. <clears throat> So it wasn't weird when, in high school, Philip asked me to go to prom. But of course, when our pu public high school was having prom, we would definitely not be allowed to go there. So our church threw something in the banquet hall for us. So he asked me to church banquet. <laughs> and I said yes. But it wasn't weird. There, there was never anything romantic between anyone in the group. Um, never received or given or... It, we were truly just friends. And uh, quick little side note about Philip. Uh, when he came to pick me up for a church banquet, he, had, he didn't have a car. So he borrowed his uncles, who he was living with. It was uh, the 
plumbing utility truck for the business. Um, but he had washed and waxed it and was very proud of that. I was horrified, um, but it was sweet. Um, so I go to college in Oklahoma and uh, I meet a boy and he's different. He's different from the other boys that I've been around. Uh, he's a new Christian, so, you know, he was a bit of a hippie. But I like that. It's just different. So um, things started getting more and more serious with Avi. And uh, junior year comes along, and he and I have been together three years, or two years at this point. And, uh, you know, every, every time I call home or I'm going home for breaks, I'm catching up with Tommy and Pam and Philip, and I'm filling them in on Avi. So junior year, uh, heading into senior year, I'm home for summer break. And I've been offered, a, I, I majored in telecommunications, radio communications, and I've been offered a job to go to England to help run a radio station, which is just very exciting. And uh, so I share this with all my friends, of course, out of pure excitement. Um, and uh, so I'm really weighing my options here. You know, I have a, a future with AV, hopefully, and, uh, but then also this unique opportunity. So I'm just sitting at home, summer break, Hawaii Five-O is on, book him, Dano. And uh, Philip comes over, no big deal. We're sitting, but he's acting quiet. So I ask him if he wants any water. He doesn't want any water. <laughs> so we're watching Hawaii Five-O. <laughs> and then a commercial comes on and he asks me to turn it down. Um, so I did. I grab the remote. I turn it down. And I think, oh, something must be on Philip's mind. Of course, I'll turn it down during the commercials. So Philip proposes marriage. <laughs> Casually. No ring, no knee. Not exactly what I pictured. But I've never, or I've only kissed one guy and now I'm getting proposed to from another guy. Uh, so I run into the bathroom, and I just burst into tears. I just cry, because I don't know how to tell him no, other than just saying no. So I use up the rest of the toilet paper roll, and I go out. The TV is still muted. So he heard everything. And I just say, Philip, I don't love you. I love you like a friend, but I don't want to marry you. 
and he took it surprisingly well. So we turned the volume back up and finished the rest of the show. And then he left. And I freaked out. But I figure, you know, we can recover from this. We've been friends a long time. The next day I show up. And, uh, or, sorry, I, I don't show up anywhere. Flowers show up at my doorstep. A dozen roses, classic, with a card. Love, Philip. <laughs> now I have to break his heart twice. So, uh, you know, I go and I find him at uh, his uncle's shop. And I tell him, you know, nobody. I don't love you like that. I'm not going to marry you. I don't, you know, nothing against you or what you want to do, but I don't want to be a missionary wife. Uh, I think I want to move to England and do my own thing. And so he was like, well, I thought that because you were toying with the idea of moving to England that maybe you wanted to be in the mission field as well, and so I thought it would be a good match. And so I was thinking to myself, so why didn't you ask me that instead of, will you marry me? So our relationship kind of changed after that. We never talked about it. Um, I married Avi. He didn't come to the wedding. His parents did. Uh, and Tommy and Pam were there. So uh, in learning kind of more about Philip's life as we've both gotten older and moved on, we've reconnected. And uh, I learned that he uh, went to our pastor that we, from the church that we had been raised in together and basically expressed his love for me to him and the pastor's advice was to uh, strike while the iron was hot. You know, um, Philip was really worried because you know he knew how serious things were getting between me and Avi, and uh, so I guess in Philip's mind that just meant get in the car, <laughs> drive over. Bye. Karen, that's wild. <laughs> oh, man. How about Philip, who woke up in the morning and was like, my pastor gave me this advice, so it can't be bad. I got to double down on this. But give her a little space. So a dozen roses, which I don't know how much that costs. In my mind, like $85? I don't know. That's a lot. More than the previous proposal attempt is bold. Uh, up next, we have our first out of the hat story. So, Philip, could you bring me a name out of the hat? Or the hat, the jar? This person told someone they couldn't hear. Wait, I told someone I couldn't hear my own voice, but I could hear all other sounds. Who are you trying to tune out? I don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. You're just like, I don't know how loud I'm talking. I can't hear me, but I can hear everything else. Man, that person probably had a crush on you. That was probably like a Philip Karen situation, that they just believed you. That's mine again. 
If you have more silly lies, write them down. The next person put their name in the hat. They're a very bold person. They got a story to tell. Michelle B. <laughs> Bring this all the way down. Hey. Okay, so this is a story in a story. I heard this story when I was a freshman in college, and it became an annual ritual, so I've heard this story a lot. Every year, the ballroom club would get together, and they would tell the story to scare the freshmen, just to make sure we were made of stir enough stuff. It's not really a scary story, though. So I'm sitting in ballroom, and I've just met these people like a couple months ago. One of the older people in ballroom is like, yeah, I had a really rough time freshman year. His name is John. <clears throat> so I'm now John. John had a really rough freshman year, and he went out with this girl named Amy. But he didn't go out with Amy for very long because Amy was kind of crazy. But a year goes by, and he's a sophomore now, and he's telling us the story that has happened recently. And his friend has started going out with Amy, and they have a very volatile relationship. They're on again and off again, and there's no in-between. It is hot or it is cold. And they're at a party, his friend and Amy, and it is currently cold between this man and Amy. <clears throat> and John is observing the very cold relationship He's sitting in the middle of this party, just having a good time, eating some chips. His friend is standing there. Amy walks up and slaps his friend across the face. We must pause now and give context to what happens next. John's friend had been in high school and had dated a different girl far in the past, long before he met Amy. This girl had a very strong faith and wanted to save herself for marriage. But she also wanted to explore. And so she only believed in anal sex. And that is for whatever reason, this evening at the party in which John is sitting eating chips, a fact that this man's current off-again girlfriend, Amy, has now found out. <laughs> so, her response is to walk into the middle of a party, a festive evening, slap this man across the face and say, what? Am I not pretty enough for anal? That was amazing. I'm not even really sure what to say. I'm in shock. <laughs> okay, so the next story that we have, the last one before we go into intermission, is our very own Amanda. Come on up, clap her up. Woo -woo -woo! You guys are going to get sick of me. Me and my dad have a complicated relationship. Uh, he annoyed me when I was a teenager and it's only gotten worse as I've gotten older. Um, my mom went through this phase one Christmas where she discovered Groupon. This was like three years after Groupon like really hit its peak, and she was like, 
this is the most amazing system possible. I'm getting amazing deals. Um, and it's like I'm giving someone a gift certificate instead of a tacky ass coupon, which is what you're doing. Um, so she gave everyone in the family Groupons for Christmas this year. So it's Christmas morning and normally my mom like really is like big on a list and she's like, you want sneakers, you want a new pea coat, you want some camping gear, like I got you. But this year was like, F all that, she would never say that. She was like, forget all that, it's all Groupons. I don't remember any of the other Groupons. They were all underwhelming. Uh, the one I opened, I was forced to open in tandem with my father, and I started realizing, oh, this is a, this is a bonding activity <laughs> with my dad. So I open it, and it is zip lining in near Asheville, uh, and me and my dad are basically being forced to go together, and my mom just like beaming, like, do you like it? I'm like, yeah, okay, of course, I like it. Uh, I was really into camping. My dad is a man, so I guess my mom thought that meant he liked camping. He has never spent more than like eight seconds outside in his whole life, so I don't know where that came from. But she just thought it would be this really cool bonding moment. So my wife encouraged me to be chill um, and give it a shot and be like a good person about it for like eight seconds. So I planned a really good trip. Asheville has amazing camping. So I was like, I'll just ease them in. We'll do car camping. Everywhere there is beautiful. We picked a spot that was like we could drive right up to it. Um, he could bring his air mattress. Uh, and it was just one night. We go zip lining the next day, come home, boom. So low key. Uh, we get to camping and set up. And that's fine. That's exactly what you would expect it to be with your dad if you have that kind of relationship with your dad. I don't know what your dad issues are. Um, we all have different ones, yet they're all the same. Um, so he sits down, we eat dinner, and I'm like, now's the best part of camping. Like, this is what my mom wanted, was like this around the fire talking. Like, my mom's not here talking, my sister's not here, my wife's not here just like nah, 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 the whole time. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, this is gonna be great. So we sit out there, have a beer. Uh, he chokes down his beer because he doesn't like beer that much. Um, but he's trying to be a good sport. And he starts really complaining about the mosquitoes. And the best thing I can say about this is that, yeah, like mosquitoes exist. Um, but they weren't like bad. It wasn't like Congaree swamp out there. It was just like the occasional outdoor inconvenience that just happens. And he was acting like he was in like a malaria infested war zone, just like losing his shit. And so he's like, I'm just gonna go to bed. It's still light out. And you gotta, if you've camped, you, you gotta stay up as long as possible because you're gonna sleep like shit. So you gotta get a little hammered and you gotta just push it to the limit. So I'm like, okay. So I hear him go in there and like this tent, crumple, crumple, crumple of the air mattress, like tossing and turning. And I'm a chill guy, and I do my own thing constantly. So I'm just like, I'm going to stay out here and read, drink my beer, have my alone time. So eventually I go to bed. I'm a little uh, tipsy, ready to sleep. And I fall asleep. I'm not, I mean, I'm on an air mattress. This is pretty comfortable. Uh, and I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, shit, it's raining. I'm like, this is not going to be good for my dad. Everything's going to be wet. I think I left my stuff outside. So I do that. I'm like, I get up. I, I, I sit up and I'm like trying to get my bearings and I realize it's not rain uh, but that my dad is pissing and he's in the tent 
And I've had previous experiences with intoxicated friends where they're just like ripping it just into the tent floor. Um, but that's not what's happening because my dad is very fastidious. Uh, he is urinating into a bottle. It's not raining. The weather's fine. It's warm out. It's Asheville. It's nice. It's comfortable. And I am like, what are you doing? And he's like in the middle of it. So you like, you don't want to interrupt him too much. So he's like, I'm peeing in this bottle. And I'm just instantly so overwhelmed. I'm like, fine. You don't want to go outside for like 12 seconds to pee. Standing up, which you get to do, because you have a penis. Can we discuss how unfair that is? I'm a man and I understand that like getting, like when you're a girl and you go camping and you have to like squat and there's like bugs and leaves, it's like a whole thing. I get that as a man and I have sympathy for it. Um, but it's its own thing. And so I'm just like, whatever, you do you. I'm gonna let you have your own experience. Um, he puts the bottle wherever and I go back to sleep. We wake up in the morning, I'm over it. I realized I was like being too intense about it. And I, he gets up and I put my shoes on. Um, you know, I do that like thing where I leave my shoes outside the tent. They're right there for me. And they're soaking wet. I'm like, dad, did it rain? Did it really rain? Like did the rain wake me up and then the pee distracted me? And he was like, no, it didn't rain. Uh, and I look outside, it's like totally dry, and I like put my shoes on, and I stand up, and I'm like. Uh, and then it starts to dawn on me, and like I see my dad like sort of like in the back, like. And I realized that what he had done was what you think he had done, which was pissed into a bottle, gone to the trouble, then thought, ew, and <laughs> poured it right outside the tent. Just like unzipped, just enough for his hand to go through and just pour it out. This is a man who I've watched clean up a single crumb off of the kitchen floor. Didn't even let the dog get a chance at it because he knew it was there and it was bothering him. And he just dumps his own piss bottle outside of the tent. And so I look at him slowly and he finally meets my eye and I'm like, did you dump your piss in my shoes? And I don't remember what happened after that because it all went red and my dad has never had a confrontation in his entire life unless it was yelling at me about how immoral screamo music is. And this was not his wheelhouse, so he didn't know what to do. Uh, and I, I'm like a chill dude, so even though we're car camping, I only brought one pair of shoes, because I'm super chill. Uh, even though there was plenty of room to bring multiple shoes, I only had the one. And we have a full day of zip lining ahead of us, which I proceed to do in my piss shoes, because um, I have no choice, because the Groupon's going to expire. Uh, my dad was a total baby about zip lining, which in another time I would have had sympathy for, but did not at this moment. He, the, the big thing was he did that dad thing where he fancies himself. He is sort of an engineer, but he like all dads fancy themselves engineers, where he like is like now I'm the expert on judging the zip line course for safety and stability, not you, zip course owner and runner and person who has like insane liability insurance costs. Like I'm the one who decides if it's safe. So there was a lot of conversations with like some guy named Garrett 
um, who was wearing chacos, like about the safety of the zip line course, and I'm just like zipping the hell out of here. We go out to eat. I'm still in my piss shoes. And then finally we part ways. And I know that I told my wife this exact story multiple times to the point that she has it memorized. Uh, I don't know what he told my mom, but she never bought another group on again. <laughs> I will say at the very beginning of that story, I was like completely in the moment thought Amanda was talking about a real life, her experience. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. We're not doing that tonight. But it seemed plausible either way. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go ahead and take an intermission. We're gonna be about 10 minutes. Go ahead and refill your drinks. Uh, order food if you want to order food. Put your names in the hat. If you are thinking like, oh my gosh, someone told me the story one time and they're not here, or they are here and they don't want to tell it, but I can. All right, hopefully you all have had a chance to get your drinks, get settled back in, have a nice little chat with your friends. So we're gonna go ahead and just Keep on rolling. Go ahead and please welcome Meredith, a first timer, to come on up. Hello. So the year is 1997-ish. I don't really remember, but that's what I'm going with. I am 16, 17 years old, and it's rural Blythewood, which is very different from what it is now. Um, okay, so I have just finished a cross-country track meet, which if I can say about myself, it was a very big deal back then. So I've just finished this cross-country meet. I'm headed home, driving by myself, 16, okay, and in my dad's Ford Taurus. Shout out if your parents had a Ford Taurus because that was the car, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm headed out of the high school, like grooving, cruising, probably jamming to some music. I don't really know those details. Um, I get half a mile down the road. And this is where the story comes into play, which I will call the incident. So I am driving home as a little 16 year old boy, not myself. And um, all of a sudden something hits my car. I'm like, what the hell is happening? So we'll step back a little bit, and what happened was there was an embankment above my car, and a deer jumped off of that embankment and hit my car. Okay, so I need you all to know a detail about the story. The deer never touches the road. So deer touches my car, and I'm going this way. Somebody else is coming this way. Okay, so deer touches my car, bounces off, hits another car, and hits it so perfectly that it rolls the top of the car back like a sardine can. Yes. Okay. So back to my, myself. Um, I'm driving down the road. Something hits my car. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And uh, pull off to the side of the road. But there's really nowhere to pull off. So I have to kind of like turn around and come back. By the time I come back to the scene of the incident, I've realized that... Um, so when 
the, sorry, this is really gross. So just be prepared. The deer has hit the top of the car, rolled it back, turned the car into a convertible. So I get back to the scene of the incident and there's no sign of the deer because it's essentially been gutted inside of the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So at this exact moment, when I get back to the incident, I kid you not, a school bus full of children drives by <laughs> and everybody's like, what happened? You know, people think somebody died. I mean, of course you would. So I get to the car and these two sweet old ladies on their way to Wednesday night church are in the car and are covered with blood. They're fine, okay? Well, let's just put that out there. They're totally fine. They get out of the car very frantically and are like shaking their dresses out of guts and things and <laughs> yeah. So I'm 16 walking up to that like, oh, I don't know what to do. And um, yeah, so then a also a police officer comes up and like takes me aside because from an outsider's point of view, if you're coming up to this scene, there's no deer. There is a lot of blood. There is a car turned convertible and then me. So the police officer takes me aside and is like, what happened? Is anybody dead? No, all of us are fine. And that is my story. That's where it ends. <laughs> Oh, there's so many people that are not fine <laughs> in that story. Uh, I would give anything to have one of those kids in the school bus come tell their story and be like, I drove by the scene and these two grandmas were covered in the blood of their companion. <laughs> Old lady guts everywhere. It's fucking rad. <laughs> I don't know what teenagers would say. <laughs> I don't know which way this lie's going. I'll let you decide. I've seen the notebook. <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to, which way you want that to go. <laughs> uh, we've all seen the notebook, so I get actually why you lied. Because it's like when people say they haven't seen Twilight, where it's like, but you've seen most of it. A friend called me saying she had a flat tire and asked if I knew how to change one, and I was like, yes. Of course I can change a tire. I'd never changed a tire before. Thankfully the tow truck came. What a hero. You just left that situation like, I could have done it, but I didn't have to. I let the professional do it, because I'm classy. <laughs> this person said, well this person likes to tell people that my birthday is February 30th to see if they can catch on. Who are you? <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> Uh, I want you to clap the next person all the way up for their story, Axton. <laughs> Who knows what's about to happen? <laughs> okay, so has everybody seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? And how it starts and there's like this little opening that's unrelated to the rest of the story but is good for establishing character. Okay, well, so this is me, actual me. Um, it's, the year is like 1999. I'm sitting at my kitchen counter with my sister, who's like four years older than me. And we are uh, pretending to be 
cowboys at a saloon and we're pouring uh, root beer into little shot glasses. And we're doing this for like an hour, just like pouring, you know, blah, 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 saloon, we drink the root beer from the shot glass. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, Shelby, my sister, do you want another one? And she looks at me and says, what are you talking about? And I'm like, D you know, do you want another shot of root beer? And she's like, why are you pretending to play saloon? What are you doing? And then just leaves. Um, so that's the, <laughs> that's the background of this story. So, okay, so now the year, and this is definitely not me, definitely a totally different person that I've heard this story from. Um, the, year is like the year is like 2000 or 2001, maybe. I'm like an, an eight-year-old boy, me, a different person, is like an eight-year-old boy. It's the summertime, and I've been in love with my neighbor and best friend's older sister for as long as I can remember. Um, her name is Jamie, and uh, I have blonde hair. I'm very tan, because I spend all day of the summer at the pool. She also has blonde hair and spends every day at the pool. I'm also a little drunk in actual time right now. Um, so anyway, it's nighttime and I go to this little Southern Baptist church and on like Friday nights in the summer, we have these events. I can't remember the name of them. They occurred at Friday from like seven to nine they occurred at this person named Benjamin Kentop's house. Benjamin Kentop had an Obi-Wan Kenobi haircut with a little mini ponytail on the side of his hair uh, that was braided. Um, he grew out to be a nurse later in life. Um, anyway, he has a concrete structure at his house, which is in Bamberg, South Carolina, which is a rural town. He has a concrete structure called a figure eight, and I learned that word while I was there, figure eight, and I just remember saying that word a lot when I was a kid. Um, anyway, Jamie Hightower is there, and uh, we're like riding around on scooters, razor scooters, with green wheels and with red wheels, one with green, one with red, riding around the figure eight over and over and over again. Um, and that night, obviously, we, you know, decided that we would date each other as, you know, like 10-year-olds do. And, uh, you know, everything was perfect, <laughs> and we dated as 10-year-olds. That's a cute story, isn't it? Um, flash forward to the school year. Then actual me not fake me, that is definitely another person, but actual me, is sitting in like, I don't know what class, but it's definitely in fifth grade. And I'm just sitting there, and then I realized like, oh yeah, we actually were only, we weren't really dating, we were pretending to date as a joke from that night. And, I don't, I don't, I think, 
I had just never thought about it again. Like, I was 10 that one night in the summer, and I thought, okay, now, now we're dating. And then I, as a 10-year-old, just never thought about the person I was dating again for like six months. <laughs> and then finally, when I thought about it again, I remembered that we hadn't been dating. It had just been a joke that we were playing on like one of our friends. And then it made me sad. But that's my story. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to debrief that so much more. I, I don't know if all of you want to stick around and just sit down and be quiet. Uh, we'll get accent back up here. We'll just be like, no, you felt rushed because you were out of microphone, but let's take it from the top, baby. <laughs> we know the characters. We're ready to go. <laughs> also, I just want to know what happened to that girl. Did she know you were playing, you or not you, I don't know, playing a joke on her? Well, you can tell me later. This person lied and said they eat poop. <laughs> I can't get this one out of my pocket fast enough. Why? Oh, this is another poop-related one. Good. That one was just a setup for this one. I once pooped my pants when I was little and decided to throw it in the trash. Duh. When asked about it, I said, well, I thought it was trash. You were correct. Uh, you are totally correct. That is a cool, calm, composure activity. Like, these are garbage. Uh, I lied about liking hummus for four years because my boyfriend liked it so much. What a non-threatening relationship. Just like, just trying to make drama for yourself where you're just like, I guess I'll pretend to like hummus because there's nothing else conflicting between us that I don't want to have the hummus be the first thing. <laughs> I want you to clap Alex all the way to the mic. Bring him all the way up. You guys are a great supportive audience and we appreciate that and that's what makes this such a lovely space. Yeah, good idea. Thanks, Alex. Hi. This is the story of Stumpy's Bear. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, I went to Georgia Tech, and in the, the general scheme of colleges and universities, Georgia Tech is the eccentric uncle, and they're very, very proud of this fact. And every new crop of freshmen that come in get told all of these old war stories that are practically legends. We don't really know if they're all 100% true. Parts of them probably are. But we get told them, and now I'm the eccentric uncle telling you some of these stories, or one of these stories. Um, and a lot of these stories um, involved like football in the age of the leather helmet and uh, lack of an NCAA. We're talking about turn of the century-ish. Uh, a much more innocent time and at the same time much more frightening. <laughs> and, you know, case in point, Stumpy's Bear. I'll get to that. So, so Georgia Tech in the annals of college football hasn't done that much in recent years, but, you know, in 1904 they hired their first full-time football coach, a man named John Heisman. They named a little trophy after him. He invented the forward pass. He was a big deal. Um, 
And you know, when they hired him, they hired him away from Clemson and offered him 30% of the gate receipts. So he took that job and then built a stadium so that there would be gate receipts. And you know, as, as one does. Uh, one, one of the highlights of Heisman's career at Tech was the largest margin of victory ever in a college football game. It was 222 to nothing. Uh, he was also the baseball coach, and there's, you know, little side story, you know, like, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing establishing character. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was the baseball coach, and he got beat by a small school named, called Cumberland College in Tennessee, two, 22 to nothing. And uh, Cumberland was on Georgia Tech's football schedule the next year, and Georgia Tech was basically, at this time, uh, 1916. Uh, was basically the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Cumberland had just gotten rid of their football program, but they were still had a contract to play the game. And Heisman was kind of raw about this 22 to nothing baseball. Oh yeah, and the reason that they beat Georgia Tech 22 to nothing is because they got a minor league baseball team to play in Cumberland uniforms. So he was a little bit raw about this whole deal. So he decided that he would take basically this all-star, they would win the national championship the next year, uh, they'd, like in the middle of a three-year undefeated team, and held Cumberland to this, to this contract. And this poor kid who was the, the manager of the football team basically recruited a bunch of kids from the law school, some of whom had never played football before, and brought them down to Atlanta um, and got just clobbered. Now, there, there are stories in this game which, you know, I could probably fill a whole storytelling event just with stories from this particular game. There was like a, a wild dog that got on the field and chased people around. There were like three Cumberland players that attempted to like leave the field and hid so they wouldn't be forced to come back on the field. I mean, there's like good stuff, good stuff. But yeah, but we're talking about Stumpy's Bear. And so fast forward another 15 years or so, Heisman has, has, has retired at this point. Um, and in 1929, Georgia Tech won the Rose Bowl against the California Bears. And uh, this is a game that's known primarily for Roy Regal's wrong way run. And it's alliterative, and that's the reason most people remember that, uh, people who do remember that. And uh, basically, a California player recovered a fumble and then ran towards Georgia Tech's end zone, got tackled on the two-yard line by his own team, and then, then, and then they attempted to punt. That punt got blocked and it was recovered for a safety and Georgia Tech ended up winning by one point. So, yeah, exciting game. Well, so it turns out that in 1929, when you win the Rose Bowl against the California Bears, you get a bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this bear cub that was given to the Georgia Tech football team after they won the Rose Bowl against California Bears. This little cub was named Bruin, and uh, uh, the Georgia Tech player, Stumpy Thomason, uh, he's the one that fumbled the ball, and so I guess he was the hero of the game, kind of. Uh, he's the one that took care of this bear, and they brought it back to campus, and uh, it was a cub at first. Eventually, it became a 400-pound bear, <laughs> and it followed him everywhere where he went. Um, its official home was underneath the East Stands in the Georgia Tech football stadium. You know, and there's like a story of like a new, a new assistant coach that had just come into town and he's in the locker room and a bear walks in. <laughs> and what do you do when a bear walks into the locker room? 
And uh, you know, what he did was he locked himself in a locker and waited till somebody got the bear out of the locker room. <laughs> yeah, and so, so this bear had legendary status on campus. Uh, uh, apparently, he learned how to drink uh, uh, Coca-Cola bottles. He would drink 20 at a time. His favorite drink was beer. Apparently, he was a rowdy drunk. Um, and in fact, he was a rowdy drunk because there's official record of that because he, there are citations from the Atlanta Police Department for drunk and disorderly conduct <laughs> against this bear. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see, what else? There's, there, oh no, did I forget all the good bear stories? I think I told a lot of good bear stories about Stumpy's bear so far, but there, there's some more too. Um, but yeah, oh, the, the dean of students at the time uh, was quoted as saying that the bear was as intelligent as the average tech student and had uh, all of the bad habits that modern youth uh, yeah, all the bad ha along with all of the bad habits of modern youth. Yeah, modern youth in 1930 or whenever that was. Yeah, so so yeah, so we have all of these these strange legends, and I'll you know I'm sure I'm forgetting some Stumpy Bear stories, and since I'm you know spotlights, they're pretty bright right here. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so there, it's like this Dark Ages medieval time of legend where you know there's like going to be a mother of dragons and and uh and and all of the seeds that our modern myths are based on well these are the seeds that like modern college football lore is based on and um so stumpy's bear lived at georgia tech campus for a while he for longer than than stumpy was a student because um the only record of him leaving was stumpy took a job co coaching the buffalo bills at some point you know probably well after he had graduated. Uh, and the bear had been there this whole time. And when Stumpy moved to Buffalo, he took the bear with him. And nobody really knows what happened to him after that. So yeah. Can we talk about sports at that time, where you said, quote, invented the forward pass, which is just how sports I thought got played was like putting the ball forward, so I don't know how you get credit for inventing that at all, uh, but okay. Uh, and can you imagine sitting through a baseball game that's 22 to zero? Y'all have some more dirty little lies. I once lied and told people I'm Lenny Kravitz's daughter and they believed me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that because obviously like Zoe Kravitz is an angel <laughs> and I, that's such a good lie <laughs> to get someone to believe. As a kid at a sleepover, I wet the bed. I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, I blamed the girl sleeping next to me. Fair enough. It's survival, okay? It's fucking survival at a sleepover. So gasp. Yeah, that's me now because we're all adults and we wet the bed. We're confident. We're like, I wet it. But back then, it's like, that'll kill you. You'll never be able to show your face again. So you've got to blame it on someone. And there's only one person there. And it's probably your best friend who's never going to talk to you again. <sighs> I told a guy my grandma was in the hospital to avoid going on a date. Again, survival. I felt so bad, I wound up going on the date anyway. I shouldn't have. 
you were right the first time. Also, did you pretend like this date is so important to me that I'm here even though my grandma died? <laughs> One time, my partner and I were in a fight. We were newly dating, and he stormed out of the house and slammed the door. And I threw my glass at the door, and it hit it hard. And he stormed back in and looked me in my eyes and said, did you throw a cup at me at your door? And I said, no. And he said, I can see the cup right here. And I was like, it's my house, and it's my cup. So mind your business. It didn't work. Our last story is an out-of-the-hat story. Can we do like a little drum roll, like a little knee slap? Thank you. Clap it up for Cassidy Spencer. Naturally, naturally. Um, I want to emphasize how unprepared I am uh, for the last story. I feel like that's kind of fitting. Uh, I came for a friend, and then I missed her story, so this feels kind of karmic. Um, so I'm going to tell a story from a friend who, um, whose intelligence I question often. Um, and I'm telling it from her perspective. So this is the shorty story. Um, so it was the last weekend of spring break, and I was really into this guy, Trent. Um, he lived in Atlanta. Uh, he wore baseball hats. Uh, yeah, he was a real charmer. Um, but I could never see him because he lived in Atlanta and I live here. So it was Friday. And I had the last weekend of spring break. And he texted me. And he said that he had the weekend open. And he wondered if I could come and visit. And when you're that into somebody, you'll really just jump at any chance to see them. So it was 11 p.m., and I had work that I needed to do, but I was ready. And so I was in the car, and I was going to Atlanta. Um, I was really tense. Um, it, it was a tense drive, and I needed gas, and it was about 11.30 at this time, so I go to a gas station, and, and, and I'm really frantic. Uh, I pump the gas. I leave the gas pumping while I go to the bathroom, which I know is not smart, but, you know, sometimes my friends question my intelligence. So I run to the bathroom, and I come back, and, and I take the gas pump out, I, I, and I, I, I'm about to drive away, and I think I, I might have clipped a, a trash can while I was driving out, but I'm not sure. It was all kind of a blur. I was just really trying to get to my destination. So... I'm driving through the night, and there's a lot of just big trucks, we know, when it's really late on the highway, and everyone is honking at me. Everybody is honking at me on the highway, and I don't know why. I make sure that my lights are on. Um, I didn't know if my music was too loud or something. I turned my music off. Uh, and everyone is flashing their lights, and they're honking, and I don't know why. So I, I check to see if maybe my gas cap is open or something and the gas the, the, the gas pump was still in the car <laughs> the tube was just kind of flying around <laughs> like a party um, and I have never done that before and I've never seen anybody who's done that before so I'm a first um, I pull off to the side of the road and I don't know what I'm supposed to do because it's the middle of the night and just big trucks are passing and still honking and I pull the gas I, I, I pull the pump out of my gas tank and I'm standing there in the night on the highway holding a gas pump that does not belong to me and I'm 50 miles out from the gas station. But my thought process is, will I get arrested? Is this theft somehow? 
this is accidental theft. I never thought I'd participate in that before. So I, I just throw it in my back seat and I turn around and I decide to go back to the gas station. Because I don't know, I don't know if this is, I'm not gonna take it with me. I would never have any use for it. And maybe, hey, they have, they have video cameras and gas stations. And for all I knew, someone was gonna be waking me out of my sleepy trance with Trent the next day and it would be the police. So I decided not to do that. And I go back to the gas station and there's two people working. Uh, one is a kind of old looking woman, um, and one is a child, <laughs> just a boy. <laughs> um, so I take the gas pump out of my back seat, and I hold it there, defeatedly, really, because you don't bring the gas pumps to the gas station. Um, and I walk into the door as if I'm trying to buy something, and the little bell, ding! I'm from earlier. <laughs> I'm standing in the doorway, and the boy looks at me, and he looks at the woman, and he cracks up. And the woman says, let me go get Shorty. And she goes into the back. And so I'm standing there with this boy, um, bad music playing, and I'm still holding the gas pump because I don't know what better thing to do with it. And she comes back and she said, Shorty's on break. You can just leave that here and leave us your name and number and we'll get back to you. As if I was trying to buy something that they were out of stock. Um, so I leave my name and my number and I return the gas pump and I drive away and I never heard from Shorty. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, would not want to hear from Shorty, honestly, so I'm really happy for you. Okay, um, so we are going to get all of the storytellers from that tonight to come on back up here, and also we are going to get the storytellers to just very quickly do, 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 say the relationship to the person whose story they were telling. So go ahead and come on up. Uh, we had Nicolasa. Josh, Michelle, Amanda, Meredith, Axton, Alex, and Cassidy. Did I get everyone? Okay, clap them, clap them, clap them, clap them. Woo! All right. And then, let's just run it down. All right, Michelle, start us off. Told my friend John. Uh, my good friend Rachel. All of my parents, but mostly my mom. <laughs> I told my college's story. I told the story of my brother, Nathan. Uh, I told my husband, Phil's story. I told my mom, Karen's story. <laughs> I told the story that fourth grade me told to fifth grade me. <laughs> that checks out. If you have not voted, it's too late because we have a winner. All right, the winner of tonight's hearsay storytelling event is Axton. Axton, come on up and get your gift card. Make sure you plug merchant donations, as it said. Yes. Here you go. 
and make sure you post for a picture. Also, while that's happening, in the back, I mentioned earlier that we are a nonprofit organization, and some of the other work that we do besides these live storytelling events are community storytelling events. Um, things like partnerships with artists, partnerships with other nonprofit organizations. We recently did a partnership with Skadvasa to do a storytelling event for survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. And so your donations and you buying our merch and stuff like that goes towards us being able to do those other projects because stuff like this is free, low cost, but we do want to continue to bring storytelling to people in a way that is meaningful and impactful. So we have stickers in the back. They're three bucks, only three bucks. We also take card if you don't have cash. We also have our t-shirts in the back made by our very own Josh Rainwater. And those are 15, again, card and cash. And if you don't want anything, you're like, that's not my vibe, we just take donations straight up. So uh, if that is something that you're interested in as well, if you care about stories, obviously you're here, so you do, and you want to see stories continue to bring people together in Columbia, then please consider donating to us. Thanks so much. Have a good night. <laughs>